Thanks for listening to The Vine. We're a new church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this sermon helps you in doing that. When we have the kind of relationships that are functioning well, they give us hope. But when we have relationships that aren't functioning well, well, hope begins to fade really, really fast, just like we saw in this drama today. We've been in a series called The Hope Effect, where we've been diving in to different areas and learning about the ideas of what feeds hope into our lives. Last week, we talked about the idea of playing to your strengths, that when we dedicate um, ourselves to our strengths, is not only do we grow in hope, but we grow in, in our strengths and in our abilities um, that grows as well. This week, we're going to talk about the idea of unleashing hope. And to do so, we need to refuse to go it alone. I invite you to pray with me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of relationships. And yet we know that in this broken world, the scene that we just saw on stage is one that we've all lived at some point. Conflict and hardship and difficulty, wondering if we should keep going on. But you tell us that the investment is worth it. That when we invest in relationships, that that makes a difference in our lives. So we pray today that you'd help us to understand better how to have healthy relationships. What kind of relationships that we need to have. Lord, we just trust that you would guide and direct our time here. Pray that you'd just be ministering to each person here, touching our hearts and leading us to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hope generally thrives, again, in the context of supportive relationships, and, and that's what God has created us for. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, we read that two are better than one. And so even though relationships can be hard, we're better together. And it goes on to say, two are better than one because they have good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. The point of that verse, uh, which captures a lot of what the Bible teaches on relationships, is that those who have good relationships have hope. And the interesting thing, though, is even in our culture where we struggle with it, having deep and, and meaningful relationships, we are still obsessed with them. So many of our favorite TV shows uh, are about families, or about buddies, or about friends. Um, let's just look at a few of them, a few classics, Little House on the Prairie. And uh, I'll have to admit that I remember growing up and, and watching this and lying in the family room with my brothers and sisters. And I hope I was in like elementary school, I can't remember. But I do remember that position where you're lying like this and you just kind of enough to wipe the, wipe the tears away. That's a tearjerker. <laughs> if you're honest, I, I cried. So anyway, um, what about family ties? Uh, Michael J. Fox. Wow. That's incredible. Happy days. Does anybody remember the name of the family? Cunninghams. Good job. Good job. Leave it to Beaver. 
wow, that takes us back a little bit, huh? Um, and here are some current ones. We have Modern Family. We have The Simpsons. I guess it's not super current, but still. Um, and Breaking Bad. So it's about a family, not a really good family at all. But it is about a family. One of Tara and our favorites, Everybody Loves Raymond. So we, we love that one. And just one about crazy in-laws. Anybody have some crazy in-laws? So um, I think Tara might say that I do. And I'll own that. But, uh, um, and there's also TV shows uh, about groups of friends and buddies. We have Norman Cliff and the whole gang at Cheers, right? They gathered together and they were a family. They were, everybody knows your name, right, when you go to come into Cheers. Seinfeld. And little friends. And friends, we have this group friend. Did you know that towards, I think it was towards the end of it, they were getting paid a million dollars per episode for a group of folks that just did life together and just being goofy and being in in relationship um, on there. We have The Office. And then we just think about at office, we have different relationships at work, you know, some that are, are life-giving and some that aren't so life-giving, and the humor uh, that can come through that. And then the Big Bang Theory. Um, it's just uh, it's more of an alternative family, a group of folks that have gotten together. And so, and there's something about these shows that, again, just, just draws us in. I believe it just touches to that point of, of our need to, to be in relationship. Uh, to connect, and also not to take on life alone, but to be with others. So we need to refuse to go at it alone. Sometimes we try to be just independent. I got this. I don't need anybody else. But we really need to refuse that. Because when we are with others and we go through hard times, it's that much easier. You have someone who's there who will cry with you, who will pray with you, maybe just listen to you, just be there for you. And then when you go through times of celebration, like we're celebrating today, one year old as a church, and just anything in our life, with others, it's that much better. But here's the thing, I believe this is really true, is that why these, these TV shows strike a chord in us and why movies seem to do that as well um, is because we love watching relationships happen. We love it. But the struggle comes when we look at our own lives and making relationships happen. It can be a challenge for all of us. It's hard. I mean, yes, why? Because well, they are hard. It takes time and effort. And who's got that anymore, right? We know we need them. We know they're incredibly satisfying. But again, we seem to be very hesitant to invest in them. Maybe we've been burned, like in the drama by a friend or by someone. We're like, I'm not sure if I won't even go there. But scripture teaches us that people who have hope have discovered that right relationships are the best investment that you can make. My son Kyle just finished his first year at the University of Arkansas. And so we're excited. He did a great job um, there. But what contributed, and when you ask him, he said, it's just an awesome year. And what really contributed to the heart of that is this relationship that he had with this guy named David. David was a senior in the Lambda Chi fraternity. He was part of the campus ministry. And just maybe that first week or so, he starts going around in the dorms, knocking, and just saying, anybody want to come to the student ministry? And right as he goes to Kyle's door to begin to knock, Kyle opens the door. And there begins a friendship. 
And through that, Kyle ends up pledging in the Lambda Chi fraternity. And David becomes his, his pledge dad, which is just so cool. And David, and there's another guy in the house, these two seniors where you're almost checking out, and the last thing you want to do is really be around a fraternity, maybe make an appearance here or there. These guys lived in the house so they could make a difference in this freshman pledge class for Christ. They took them to the student ministry. They took them to church. And Kyle, this Thursday, is heading out for a nine-week ministry opportunity. Um, and it's incredible. And the reason he's going is because of David. His friendship has given Kyle hope and made a difference. His friendship is an answered prayer in our lives. That's what God-honoring relationships, when we take the time to invest, can do in another's life. If you have your Bibles with you, um, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 9, and the scripture will be on the screen as well. When Jesus began his ministry, he was by himself, and then very shortly after that, he had the 12 disciples. And in our text today, then we see that he's sending out 72. And, and that might not seem like a real big number to us, or, but there's a couple things about that. 72, um, for those at that time when they heard that, that was a prophetic number from the Old Testament. And for us, again, it doesn't seem like a big number, but to them, it was a really big number. He's sending out 72 and they knew the importance of that. And in a sense of communicating that what he's doing is for everyone. It is for the nations. And, and in this, after the Lord appointed the 72, he sent them out two by two. You know, logical thinking suggests that if you wanted to get to more areas, Jesus, why don't you send all 72 by themselves? And then you hit, you know, 72 places instead of just half of that. But God, Jesus intentionally sends them in pairs. And while they'd cover fewer places, I believe that he knew the importance of them being together for them to be spiritually and emotionally, physically, and mentally just to help one another and not to be sent out alone. You know, planning a, a church in the ECC, in the Evangelical Covenant Church, was God just opened it up, this decision, as we saw as Mark and I were um, looking into it. And, and so we're just so thankful to be a part of this larger church family. But within the church family, it's not, when they plant churches, it's not the norm to have two pastors. And there's only a few other models of it. And there's was, there was even some pushback at, at doing it. But when we see it with two of us, there's a lot of things that just come out and jump out at you. You get more done. There's strength. Uh, in numbers. They say in ministry you have a, a sweet spot where it's kind of a sweet spot for ministry is either 10 years below your age or 10 years above. We're 10 years apart, so that covers a good gap, right? <laughs> so um, doing that, when one is down, the other can lift them up, uh, can challenge each other, keep each other accountable, um, and then not driven by just one personality but hopefully pointing others to community and pointing others to Jesus. So Jesus sends these folks by, by twos. Um, and he knew that there'd be hard work. In verse two, uh, we read that, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In the Agarian culture back then uh, that Jesus addressed, one of the most 
critical times was the harvest, and they had a short window to get their harvest in. And so one person couldn't do it alone, and even one family couldn't do it alone. So what they would do is they would come and other families would join together and harvest this one field, get it done. Then they would celebrate that harvest and give thanks. Then they'd go to another person in the community and they'd help them do theirs. And they kept doing it. And, and truly, that's what community is all about. And that's what we want to be about here at The Vine. We want to be about serving together. And not just here on Sunday mornings, but that is part of it. But when, when God calls us in different opportunities that we have here in Austin to serve together, and like today we're doing, to celebrate together, how those go hand in hand. And then in verse 3, he says, Jesus says, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Wouldn't they have rather heard like we're sending out like wolves to lambs? I mean, this is not much of a pep talk. Go get them, guys. But that's what he does. But in saying that, Jesus knew that the people that they were going to go to, that there would be some people that would reject them, some people that would attack them, some people that just wouldn't even like that they were there at all. And if they went alone, they'd be easy prey. And then in verse 5, Jesus directs them to stay and to remain to stay and to remain in the homes they go in. And I believe when, I, when we read that, it comes to the point of uh, being a part of their lives, of truly investing in them. He's not like just going, go to this house real quick and tell them, tell them about Jesus real quick and then now go to the other house. But really building that relationship and, and earning that right to be heard. In the fast-paced uh, world that we live in, the non-communal lives that we tend to often have. We move from houses, from jobs. Uh, we jump in and out of friendships and relationships. And I think we do it so often. We see people coming to Austin at just, just an incredible rate is because drifting and moving and jumping is easier than staying and remaining, especially when things get tough. We even do that in the local church. And you know what? Something's going to happen. Maybe it's already happened, but within the next five years, something's going to happen here at the Vine, and you're like, oh, I don't need to be part of it. What's going on here? You know, and then you're saying, I'm just going to go find another church that maybe suits my needs better. And I hope if that time ever comes, one, that you'd let us know, but two, that you'd stay and that you would remain and that's when relationships really grow and, and, and God can do refining, not only in our personal lives, but I believe that's when God can do refining in the life of the church. You know, in our drama, we saw two friends that had a disagreement and they chose to abandon their friendship instead of spending time and really de dealing with it when it hit the wall. And so we need, I, I so strongly believe, and we see this in the scripture, to stay connected and, and to, to build relationships and to become known to others. And when we do that, we just receive some amazing, amazing gifts. Um, on your sermon little note cards, I don't know if you have those out or not, we're gonna be hitting a few items coming up here. Uh, but three of them are this, that close friendships, first of all, they provide encouragement to grow spiritually. 
when you have that friend that comes along with you and is encouraging you in your faith with Christ and to grow and to, to ask questions and to learn. And, and we all need that encouragement. Close friendships, um, they also provide support during tough times. And we looked at that again in the verse from Ecclesiastes. You know, two are better than one. If one falls down, the other can help them up. And to help us through those tough times, to not try to go through it to alone and say, well, I'm too prideful. I don't want to share that with anybody. But that we need to share with others. And that God does some powerful work in those times. And close friendships also provide accountability. And we need to be kept accountable. I know I do. I know that there are things in my life that um, I just, someone has to keep me uh, in check. And to to allow someone to do that in our lives is truly a gift. And when we do that, I believe that we receive hope. Ray Johnston wrote a book, the book that we're kind of taking the sermon series called The Hope Quenched From. And he's a pastor out in California in an evangelical covenant church out there. And in the book, he writes this. He says, you need a team to go through life with. You need a team to go through life with. So what I want us to do now for the remainder of our time is is to look about how we can draft that team. Like, I love fantasy football. And part of the thing I love about it is the draft. And that's usually when my team seems really good before they play. And then they're really bad. And so, um, but we here are going to talk about drafting a team in our lives. And so I want you to fill out your, your sermon cards on this. Um, the first person that everybody needs on their team is a vision caster. We need someone who will stretch us, someone who will give us um, fresh vision and truth in our lives, someone who will give us a vision bigger than ourselves. They will see us how, who God created us to be a lot of times when we can't see that. There's a story about Michelangelo that I love. Michelangelo was hammering out this huge stone. And this man comes along and goes, why are you beating on that stone? Why are you wasting your time? Michelangelo replied, I'm not beating on the stone. I'm freeing the angel that's inside it. That's what a vision caster sees. One, sees, the one man sees just a huge stone. Why the, the vision caster sees a priceless sculpture. That beyond, that you are God's masterpiece. And if you're like me in any way, I struggle at times seeing that when it seems like others can see it more clearly. We need those people in our lives. And for Mark and I, two of our coaches, Garth and Dave, um, are definitely those folks. They're vision casters for us in in our personal lives as well as um, in this church plant. And we're just richly blessed. So on your card, if you can... Write down if you have someone who is a vision caster in your life. Um, And and if you don't have that, that name doesn't come to your mind right away, write someone who might potentially kind of be that person on your team. The second person on our team that we need is called a soul sharpener. We need those people around us that that make us better, that, that will dare you and encourage you to grow spiritually. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. These are the people that, that help bring transformation in our lives. They, they help us grow spiritually. You know, there's some people that you can be around, and when you're around them, your spiritual thermometer kind of rises. And then there's other people that kind of bring it down. 
We need to be around those people that will, will sharpen us, not make us dull. And I'm blessed because I get to work with one of my soul sharpeners in Mark. So thank you for that. He does an incredible job. And those of you who know Mark, that's one of the way God has gifted him. And I know I will become a better pastor for it. The third thing that we need, oh, I'm sorry. So for the third one is to write down someone in your life who is a soul sharpener. So, and again, if you don't have anybody there, it's okay. We're gonna come back to this at the end. The third person, people we need on our team are mentors and models. Those who will show us the way. Maybe those who will show us the way to, to have a healthy relationship or to have a, a healthy marriage. Or maybe those will show us the way in parenting. We're trying to figure out how to do this whole parenting thing. Or maybe it's someone at the workplace. You just feel overwhelmed and like, I just, you know, here's someone that could come alongside you and, and really help you. Models and mentors in our life show us how to live life with God at the center. How to love and cherish and honor our spouses. How to raise our kids up so, so that they know Jesus and how to walk beside them when they're going through those hurting times or when they're just trying to figure life out. How to, how to love them how to be there for them. When we see a mentor or a model, we see that's someone's life. I want to be like that. For me, there's a, there's a pastor named Robert Wall. He's a pastor at Life Church, and he's my mentor. We, he lives up in Oklahoma, so we Skype every other week. And he said he's praying for me right now. And to know that and to have someone that um, can mentor me is just an incredible gift. So who is someone that comes to your mind for that and write it down. Again, I don't want you to get too scourged as you're going through and you're thinking, ah, I don't have those people. Um, I didn't have Robert as a mentor either. I can remember last year praying for a mentor and then I ended up meeting Robert at a dinner and, and God provided that. The fourth person we need on our team are heart healers. Those are the people that care for the condition of your heart. Those are the people who really know you. Those are the people that when you're talking to them, they're really listening, right? Uh, for me, the, the, the person that comes to mind is Rob. I went to seminary with Rob, and he's a pastor at a church up in Colorado. And what I love about Rob is that he'll call, and he does it way more than I do it. And this is why he's a heart healer. He calls, and he says, Ted, how you doing? And then almost before I can answer, he goes, no, really, how are you doing? I want to hear just some pat stuff. I want to really know how you're doing. He cares about me. So thankful for that. Who is a heart healer in your life? And the fifth person that you need on your team, and everybody needs one of these on their team, right? Kind of like in sports, it would be the enforcer. But on our team, we're not going to call him the enforcer. We're going to call him the tail kicker. All right? We all need our own tail kicker. And I love this passage. It's in Proverbs 27, 6. And it's kind of weird when you first hear it. I'll read it twice to you. It's very short. But it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. How's that? Right? Take that down your notes. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Basically, it's saying it's faithful when a friend punches you hard right where it's needed. And that, you know, the task of a heart healer is to comfort the afflicted. And the task of a tail kicker is to afflict the comfortable. We need those in our life. And I don't know who your tail kicker might be in your life, but 
I have a really important tail kicker in my life. Um, someone who won't let me settle for a second best, and, and that's my wife, Tara. And um, I won't say that she's always kicking my tail. She probably could. But when she does, she's doing it so that I can be the best that I can. So that I can be the best I can for God. So that I can be the best I can for her. For our kids. So I can be the best I can for the church family. Who's your tail kicker? Again, who cares enough to afflict you in a sense when you're comfortable? Write a name down. So now here's what I want you to do. Maybe you have five blank spots. You're like, my team's not, I have no team. And maybe you can't decide who to put on your team. You have too many people. But if you have, you're looking at, you're like, I'm not sure who to put in there. Who, I don't really have that person in my life. What I want you to do is for these next three to six months is, is to be praying for that. To be praying. And I believe that God will provide that person in your life to fill out your team. And if you went through this and there are some places in your names, you just, whoo, really quick on that one. I know who my heart healer is. I know who my tail kicker is. I want to encourage you to, to reach out to that person and thank them. To thank them for being that gift in your life. And I also want you, I want all of us to be doing is this, to be praying. Not only to be thinking about our team, but thinking about how can God use me to be one of these roles on someone else's team? How can I maybe be a vision caster for somebody? Or how can I be a soul sharpener, a heart healer, a tail kicker? Uh, how can I be a mentor or a model? And you know what you're going to do when you have all these people in, in your life? You're going to have great relationships and you're going to grow. And when you're growing and when you have great relationships, you are going to be overflowing with hope. So how can we build these relationships? Well, just a couple of quick things is, one, keep coming to church. This is where we connect with others. And this time of worship and, and, and building these relationships are so, so important to getting connected, to being intentional about that. Secondly, serve with other people. And we've said this before, but as a new church, we have a lot of opportunities for, for you to jump in and serve. And I know that in my life that some of the richest friendships, and my best friend Terry even, and other friends have come through serving with other people and those relationships that God gives you through it. Again, don't do it alone. Friends, if you invest in other relationships, um, you will have hope. And hope changes everything. And scripture tells us, for us to have hope, we have to go to the true source of hope. And did you know that one of the names for God is the God of hope? In Romans 15, 13, we read this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope through the Holy Spirit. Now today we've talked a lot about a lot of practical things that, that I hope that you, can, that you can take with you and that relationships can make a major impact in our life. But where hope truly starts is when we surrender our lives to the God of hope. And maybe you've been coming to church for days or weeks or, uh, well, I'd say years, but just here would be one year, but maybe years elsewhere. Maybe today you're at that point where you're finally saying, God, I surrender. 
I know I've been just trying to make and manufacture hope on my own. And God, I just wanna come to the God of hope. And if you're here today and, and you um, are ready to surrender, if you're ready to resurrender, there's a couple things we'd love you to do. Let us know, and that can be done on the Connect card. You can just check that on there that you've done that. We wanna come alongside you or pull Mark and our eye aside and, and let us know that. Um, we wanna celebrate that. We wanna celebrate that you've surrendered your life to Christ and that you wanna follow Jesus. And as a church, we wanna come alongside you um, to do that. So very shortly, we're gonna go outside and um, we're gonna celebrate the sacrament of baptism. And if you're here today and, and God's just working in your heart, you're like, I wanna make a public profession. I've surrendered my life to Christ, but I've never done that and received the sacrament of baptism. We can do it today.